Good afternoon. Hi, this is Teresa Willard Hughes, and I want to thank you all of you for listening to our podcast. So what we're going to talk about on this round is we're going to continue the conversation around infrastructure, but the topic will be about religion, primarily Christian religions, and we're going to look at five of those. We're going to look at the Catholic Church. We're going to look at the Southern Baptist Conference, Amish, Jehovah Witness, and Mormons. We will have the infrastructure organization charts for you to look at. It'll be on our website. I just did a long session with WordPress, so I finally figured out all the ins and outs of making sure our website is working best for you. You can find these charts, look at them, see how they would fit into your lives. But I think that before we talk about religion, I should do a full disclosure on me and my faith. I think it's only fair to all of us. All of us are different. All of us believe differently, some more than others. I accept whoever you are based on your religion, so your lack of religious beliefs. So let me give you a little set idea of who I am religiously. I don't go to church, period, end of the conversation. The last time I really set foot in a church to actually attend church was 1964 or 65, so it's been a little while. I was baptized Catholic in 1948, within six weeks of my birth in September of 1948. If you ask me who I am religiously, I would say that I'm Catholic, because once you're Catholic, it seems like you're always Catholic. But let me give you a little more details. So I was raised Catholic where that I went to catechism on Saturday mornings and I went to mass on Sunday. But we got to remember, I live with my grandma. Grandma was a true, true holy roller, proud deacon in McLaughlin uh, Temple out in North Richmond, California. So in, back in my day being Catholic, the mass was done in, in Latin, and which, I, and then I would go to my grandma's church and they would, so I'd have Latin, they'd be talking in tongues. Catholics would be praying to the Blessed Virgin. Grandma and them would have the Holy Ghost. Talking about a confused, religious little girl, okay? But there I was. But the, one of the things I have to say is that the women of my grandmother's church, all those old church ladies, all the women that prayed for my cousins, David, Philip, and I, for our little demented souls, Philip from being demented, they just being too damn sickly to save the world. David just, they just figured that he had mental defects. And then, and I never understood to shut my damn mouth up and stop having highfalutin ideas. That was a little colored girl that I could go to a white college. I too got stuck, as you remember, in the prayer circles. All the church ladies have, were great ladies, but they all seemed to have one thing in common. These gigantic breasts. And as my cousin David used to yell, the torpedoes coming at us because they would be praying down on us and trying to save our souls. They're great women. And years later, when I got ready to go to college, and they were so damn proud of me that I had made it to college, they had gathered their money together. They gave me $76. Got to think about what $76 was for those women. These were domestic workers. These were the black women that raised white families' kids. These are women who took in ironing. These are women who cleaned other people's houses. They didn't have a lot of money. 
but in me they saw what they used to call the future, the future of the Negro race, and that $76 was one of the greatest gifts of money I've ever received in my life. So I, I will always be in debt, always will respect these ladies. And like all good little Catholic girls, at some point in our lives, we wanted to be Marianne's nuns. Because the Marianals got to travel the world and they got a chance to save the heathens. I am going to be a Marianal. So I one time was at a catechism class on Saturday and a Marianal showed up as like, ooh, this is really going to be a big deal. The Marianals are here. And so they were showing a film. Midway in the film, or maybe not too far midway in the film, all of a sudden the heathens started showing up. Lo and behold, God dang. The heathens were as dark as me. And I was like, okay. I didn't want anything to do with them after that. So I continued going to church, continued being confused between Grandma's church and going to the Catholic church. And then finally, when I got sent to live with my aunt, my aunt and uncle, you know, a.k.a. my father, and I ended up continuing believing. And then when the rapes began, and I had been there for three months, I really got serious praying. I would pray to God to please save me. Somehow God intervened. The Blessed Virgin intervened. Hell, I even called on the Holy Ghost. I called on Jesus. I called on everybody. Stop this man from raping me. Please save me from this. I would even look at cloud formations thinking, okay, this is a sign. I was looking for anything and everything I could. I would pray harder on my knees. I would do more rosaries. I even thought about doing more novenas. I wanted God to save me and to put an end to this. And I had believed that I was a good enough person that God would intervene. He didn't. The Blessed Virgin didn't. The Holy Ghost didn't. Jesus didn't. That bastard kept raping me. And I kept crying. And leave it to General Effie to once again show up and show out. And she informed me to knock this off. She was not interested in hearing me cry at night. Yes, this man was raping you, but you get your shit together. Do you understand? As usual, I listened to Effie. And she said to me something that stayed with me most of my life, but way too long in my life. There is no one going to save your ass but you. Get it together. Figure out what you need to do. But you are not going to allow him to destroy you. I stopped praying. Stopped going to church. I'd given up on everything. That there was nobody I believed that could save me or no greater power in this universe than me. I had to take care of myself. But, you know, I'm being led by the general Effie. So, of course, I'm going to do well. And I held on to that. For so many years, this whole disbelief, disassociation, anything that had to do with church. Mind you, I showed up for weddings. I showed up for, what do you call it, funerals. I showed up for various things that I was supposed to. But the reality is I lost all faith. And I think that that's one of the things that when we're doing these charts next week and when we're talking about the impact of religion and, and childhood sexual violence is that we lose that faith. We lose that ability to believe and think that someone greater than us is going to save us.
is because everything that we have been taught, everything that what we're supposed to believe, maintaining your virginity, being a you know, being a virgin, saving yourself through marriage, being a good person, it gets stripped from you by these bastards. And that is the one thing that I think that we will have a, a major conversation on next week. When I look at childhood sexual violence within religious Christian religions, and the only reason I'm saying Christian is because I don't know enough about Muslims. I don't know enough about the Jewish faith or Buddhist faith to be able to have a conversation with them. These five Christian religions, they had the same commonalities. Very similar to those of the infrastructure that happens to us within a family. Because how does this long-term childhood sexual violence continue within these communities, these religious orders. And I'll go through the five or six that I think that are most important, and then we'll follow up next week. The first one is that when you look at who we are, we have there's a predator. There's the HPIC, the head predator in charge. He embeds himself within whatever that religious order, be it a priest, be an elder, he could be a volunteer. He could be a youth minister. He embeds himself within that. And once he's in, there's no getting rid of this son of a gun. And the other part about it is that when you, once he's in and he begins to start abusing people, we feel betrayed. I mean, I have to remember who the HPIC is, be it the elder, be it priest, pastor, volunteer, being a youth minister, they come with certain powers. If you look at religious and religious organizations, so often these individuals are the representation of God. They are the voice of God. They're the intermediator between you and the sacred God that you believe in. And are you as a young person supposed to obey whatever this person says? So you're in a mixed bag. You have a predator who now has the ability to say he is a representative of the voice of God placed on this earth for your salvation. And a part of your religion says you're supposed to obey that person. It is very difficult for you being a young child raised within a religious order to go against this person. Because everything that you've done is to be able to believe. You can look around at your parish. You can look around other members of the church. Everybody believes what this person says. And how would anybody think that you as a small child, you could be 13, 14, you could be 11, you could be 15. If you're raised in that religion, you believe, you look around, everybody is practicing. And when you go, no, this is wrong, even if you think it is, you're not allowed to have those thoughts. You're not allowed to not to obey because you've been raised to listen to what this person believes. So that is the power of an HPIC within a religious order, is you have this enormous sense of betrayal because somewhere along in your mind, you know that him stealing your virginity Everything that you've been raised to believe, being good, being decent, being obedient, and then this bastard sexually violates you. You have been betrayed. Your faith has been betrayed. 
everything about you has been betrayed. And it's being betrayed a lot of times by so-called the voice of God, the representation of all that you believe in. And the one that crosses all lines, be it family, be it the dominant society, be whoever, is that this certain thing called, as we talked about before, shut the hell up. Don't, nobody wants to hear you. And I have to tell you, I think of it with religious groups, it's much more dominant than silence. Because what happens is that church, that religious order, is an economic business. Regardless of what we want to talk about is a house of God, house of worship, it is a financial institution, a nonprofit, most cases, financial institution. If you're a part of a mega church, the last thing they want is somebody for you to be telling that so and so minister raped me. You know, if you're from a small church, they're still trying to raise money. You can't have this good conversation. What you're supposed to do is shut the hell up and be quiet. Even your own family members may turn against you because they're so instinct in this religion, they don't want to hear any of this. You can be shunned, you can be excommunicated, you can be disenfranchised, disenrolled. You name being disin whatever it is where you're asked to be kicked out, and your family may shun you. Everybody in this church may shun you because what you've done is that you have the nerve to talk about this. How dare you? So our job, despite the fact that we've been sexually violated, is to shut the hell up. Some of us are good at it. Some of us, like me, I ain't very good. But it's time that we stop being silent of what happened to us. Well, the foundation of the religious community, Christian community, is forgiveness. Okay, so let's. here's another disclosure. I ain't good on forgiveness, and I sure in the hell don't ever forget, okay? But a big part of religions are that you're supposed to be forgiving. You're supposed to say that if he forgives you, this happened, and I'm sorry, I forgive, you know, I ask for your forgiveness. We, on the other hand, are supposed to be sexy violating. You're supposed to say, okay, I forgive you. Please forgive me. And then some religions actually believe you're supposed to say, okay, we will no longer talk about what happened to me. We'll just pretend it didn't happen. You know as well as I do, once you've been sexually violated, especially if you've been sexually violated more than once, and your virginity is stolen by the so-called voice of God, how in the hell am I supposed to forget and pretend that it didn't happen? But when you don't forgive, once he's forgiven you, like, gee, that's really big on his part that he's going to forgive you, uh, once he's asked for your forgiveness, and then you have the nerve to go, yeah, I ain't into this yet. I'm not going to be for that forgiving. All of a sudden, you're the horrible person. Again, he's not the horrible person for sexually violating you. You're the horrible person because you do not have the goodness in your heart to forgive this person. When my father was dying, at literally the last day of his life, I got a call from my Aunt Forrest to let me know that he was on a ventilator. And I said, oh, okay. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I hadn't really seen him often. I think I'd seen him twice in 30-some years at that point. I wasn't sure what she expected me to do because I always said, don't ever call me if he's dying. But, of course, she did. 
And then I said, well, what is this? And she goes, don't you want to forgive him? And I said, no. Why in the hell? I said, did he ask for my forgiveness? She goes, no, I thought you'd want to. It's like, no, influence. I didn't forgive the bastard. He died about a half hour later. It's like it was a loss. But the reality is that somewhere along the line, people really expect us to be that damn forgiving. I'm not willing to give that much. I admire you people who can. I'm just not that good. And the next one is, is that regardless of who these religions are, but they're organizing this whole musical chair thing. So if you're a priest and you're screwing young boys or girls at some at some diocese and say in Milwaukee, you can get your butt shipped to San Diego. If you know, if you're the Southern Baptist Church, same thing. You start playing musical chairs. These guys have more mobility than you and I'd want to think about. And they just get placed from location to location. And what ends up happening is they violate and they violate and violate. Somewhere along the line, I read this article, this line, it's just because someone's forgive you. That doesn't mean that you should give them access to children again. But people, but religious orders do. They move them from location. And now all of a sudden they're being sued. And so it's like, oh, my God, how could you sue me? A very good friend of mine, you know, is having a real problem with me doing these programs. Because she thinks that we should forget she's very, very Catholic. I mean, like, she's super, super Catholic. And she said, this is bankrupting dialysis. And I said to her, I'm sorry that they're losing money. But somewhere along the line, someone should have taken responsibility for the priests going kids. But in her mind, it's the, what could be lost, the financial loss. And she never can equate the fact that the sexual damage that was done. Her position is the same as many. Get over it, girlfriend. It's like, okay, we have issues. But the final one to be, and I think it's the one that is most damaging, is that we lose our faith. You know, you're raised religious, you believe, and then now you've been sexually violated. You lost that ability to believe in a God. You've lost that ability to believe in the Holy Ghost or the Blessed Virgin. You have prayed for so long, and then you've been violated for so long. No one's believed you. You have been shunned. You have been kicked out of your faith. And it is this ability of that loss that is so damaging. So as I said to you, it took me years to get back to find a religion because I wasn't having it. I could not believe anything. I was too busy trying to survive and then trying to thrive and trying to make sure how to protect my children to believe. But as I turned 48, my life began to really crumble. So I was 15 when I stopped going to church, 15, 16, and I was 48. So somewhere between 32 and 33 years, I completely gave up on all forms of religion. But at that point, I knew I was turning 50 and I was floundering. And I had to find some form of religion. I had to have something. I had to have believe in a greater power than myself. I lost my hearing. I was, you know, losing my hearing in 24 to 36 hours in my right ear. The next year, I lost another 30%, 40% in my hearing in my left ear. I could not function. 
I was breaking out in these black blotches all over my body just from the stress and the nerves. I mean, I ended up having a hysterectomy. To put it politely, my, my life is going to the shits. I mean, we could talk about another polite term, but I was just a mess. And I realized I needed to believe. I needed to believe in something. But I did not ever want to go back to that God that I grew up with, which I thought was a very vengeful God. Everything you seemed to do was wrong. So I started reading. I started reading on Buddhism and thought, this is really interesting. I read this series, this trilogy of book called Conversations with God. I love that series of book. And one of the things that it talked about are those ancestors of ours that have gone before us that were decent people. Call on their spirits. They're still there wanting to help you. Boy, what a relief that was when I realized that there was this group of ancestors that I had. I had my grandparents. I I long forgave them, so I had them. I actually had my father's family, lo and behold, because they too were decent people. And I would call on Nana, and I would call on Uncle Bill, and I would call on Uncle Roland's spirits. I'd call on my cousins who had gone, who had died before me. I would call them. But the, one of the things that I always did is when I called upon my grandfather and all of the older black folks. I never called them by anything other than Mrs. or Mrs. So I would call my grandfather. I would ask for a prayer for my granddad, Mr. Floyd Edwin Willard, Mr. Floyd. And I would say his name three times. The older generation, that they would still could be called boy or gal. And I wanted them to have the reverence of who they were. They were Mr. They were Mrs. They were proud individuals. And the other religion that I looked at is Yoruba, Y-O-U-B-A. It's an African religion, again, on ancestry and spirits. So guess what I did? Girlfriend made up her own damn religion. Now, I'm not suggesting anybody do anything like that. But I think that we need to find religions that work for us. I could always, I could do the Hail Mary. I, it's like rote memory in my head. But I needed to find a way in which that I got back spiritually, that I found voices in a way to be able to communicate to higher spirits or spirits than who I am. And so I, as I said, I created my own religion. Religion is key. It's in however we're doing it. Whatever your religion is, it's key. And then one of the things that I, I regret of all the stuff that I went through, is losing faith. I have it again. I'm not, trust me, I'm still not a big churchgoer. Still don't plan on going back to Mass or dealing with any of that. But I do believe. And I think that for all of us, millions of us who have been violated, who go to church and have been violated, it's time that we have a conversation about the role Christianity has played in keeping us silent. The role that these predators have done has embedded themselves within our faith. So I want you to look at the charts that they've set up, and you can look at it. It will be on for next week. Uh, we'll be doing the infrastructure, and we'll break out by line by line item as we did with family. We'll break it out the same way for religions. But until that time, for those of you who are still out there rebelling the virus, Stay safe, stay healthy, 
And I will say one crazy thing at the at the end. Maybe the state of California will open it up soon that I can get my eyebrows waxed. I haven't had my eyebrows waxed for four months. I am looking a little hairy about the face. God bless you all. You guys take care of yourself. This is Teresa. Bye-bye.